Okay. Okay, good morning. If there's any children for Children's Church, they can go in the back. I bet everyone was wondering this morning, why are they handing out fortune cookies? Well, the Harrigans actually, we love Chinese food. We actually had Chinese food last night. Uh, and it's, it's a great thing for us because we have the Chinese food. We sit down. It's a way for us to be together. Emma always gets her lo mein. Linda gets her chicken and broccoli. My mother-in-law, I think, gets chicken chow mein. Um, and I'm not sure what Michael likes. I can't remember. But it's always very, very good. But I like, I like, I really like the fortune cookie. Now, there is somebody who had too much time on their hands. They alphabeticalized all the fortune cookies they ever had. And it's a list on, if you want to look it up, you can find it. It's amazing. Um, it, A's, a dubious friend may be an enemy in camouflage. Another A, a faithful friend is a strong defense. A feather in the hand is better than a bird in the air. A friend is a present you give yourself. A gambler not only will lose what he has, but also will lose what he doesn't have. So you open these up, they're not really fortunes at all. But one of the things that I, I just happened to see, and this is a fortune that I happened to see, and it had one word on it. I didn't like it. It said death. It's not a very good fortune cookie to get. Kind of threw it out really quick. Here's another one, though. Here's another fortune cookie, and this is the one I want to talk about. It said this. If you're struggling in life, it's important to remember that nobody cares. <laughs> if you're struggling in life, it's important to remember nobody cares. And do you know it's funny, but usually when we laugh at things, it's because it's sometimes true. In the world... You can feel like when you wake up in the morning, nobody cares. There's not a person looking at me right now that's not struggling in some way because you're human. God has, has put us on this earth to be lights for him, but you all struggle. And he, he, you struggle so you can draw closer to God. But listen to that again. If you're struggling in life, it's important to remember that nobody cares. We're studying Philippians. Paul Nelson did an amazing job of going over the whole background. Uh, Steve's been preaching in that as well, about our minds and what we should think. If you're struggling in life, it's important to remember nobody cares is a lie from the devil. That is a lie. Just look at Philippians and look what Paul is writing. Look what he's saying. Here's a man who loves Jesus so much, he's in prison, but he knows he has a superpower. Do you know what his superpower is? His superpower is he could pray. And that God listens. So we're going to go over some things. I'm just going to briefly pick some things out from the passage from verse 3 to verse 11 and just go over it. We're going to talk about being confident in Christ. We're going to talk about love and we're going to talk about what it looks like to make Jesus look attractive in our world. To be, and I may be saying that the wrong way, but for people to be, wow, who is your God? So think of this again. If you're struggling in life, it's important to remember nobody cares is a lie. That's the biggest lie you're ever going to hear. So I just, I'm going to go up top, and then we're going to go over some things. And we changed the order of service because I left. David didn't know I was going to leave. That was the quickest offertory ever. <laughs> what was it, 30 seconds? I was like, oh, sorry, David. Okay. 
one of the verses that Linda had given me, and I can't remember if I accepted Christ yet or not, but I was in uh, Stony Brook University. I hate tests. I'm not a good student at all. I'm the student that was in the classroom, and I would be the one doing this, looking out the window. And then when I took the test, I actually told this to my kids now because they're older. Uh, I don't know if you all took SATs. I walked up to the gym. They're all in there taking the SATs, and I kind of just walked right past the door, and I never took my SATs. I never took them. I had to go to night school to get into school because I couldn't get in. Don't do that. I would go in, take your SATs. That's the best thing you should do. But the reason why I'm babbling about that is because Linda gave me this verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your cares on him. Cast your struggles on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Can you do me a favor? Can you all open up your fortune cookies? Lynn, you didn't get a fortune cookie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Have one. <laughs> the only real assurance in our lives is to go to God, is to pray to Him, is to read His Word, and to be built up in Christ. Now, I hope you take some of these home with you. There's a bag in the back because I can only buy 100 of them. Now, David, do you have a fortune cookie? Yeah. Can you just stand up and read your cookie? Amen. And we didn't even plan that. That goes into everything that I'm saying. If you're here this morning and you have God, draw closer to Him in your struggles. Matthew 7.24 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who's built on the house of the rock, who's built his house on the rock. You know, Paul is an amazing person. He loves God. Listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We will always, always preach the good news of the gospel. That's why we're here. We're here to preach Jesus Christ that he died for you. Just think of that. Just zoom in on that. I could say it, and you can go home, and that's the big deal. Think of it. Jesus, who is God, who is the living God, died, gave his life for you. For you. Whoever you are, whatever your walk in life is, whatever your personality is, whatever your salary is, whatever your life is, Jesus died for you, but he died for a purpose and for a reason. He wants to, you to be in eternity with him forever, but he wants you here to be confident in him. I can tell you Christians are not always so confident. Sometimes we're the least confident people in what Jesus has done for us. So we want to look at what Paul was saying this morning about that. I, I've been working at a bank for 30 years, and I remember I had this one boss, and he kind of just looked at me, and he was like, Harrigan, you have no confidence. Stand up straight. I think he was like a military guy working for the bank. And I stood up straight, and he could see that I had no confidence in what I was doing, and he wanted to help me. Stand up straight. Get out there. Get the business. Go, 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 go. I hated it. 
Are you confident in what God has done for you? Paul is so confident. Listen to, listen to this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I see it as the very power of God working for salvation of everyone who believes, both the Jew and the Greek. I see it in God's plan for imparting righteousness to men, a process begun, continued by faith. I've been saved by grace through faith. And it goes on to say in the verse that it's a gift from God. Your faith that you stand on every day comes from God. You could live your life in the power of God and the faith that he's given you. Paul also is the most joyous person and the biggest struggles that you'll ever see. The struggles that he has, I wouldn't even imagine to, to go through. So if you turn to Philippians 1, I'm going to read from verse 3. Scripture says this in Philippians. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this. I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel about you this way because I hold you in my heart for you are partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ, of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that you, that your love, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. So be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. Help us, Lord, to be confident in you, to be more loving, and to be able to show the world who you are. Confidence, assurance, knowing who you are in Christ. So I became a Christian. I put my faith in Jesus. And I remember every day saying, Lord, please save me. I'm not sure if I'm really a Christian. I'm really not sure if you saved me. I don't know if I, I don't know how long this went on. It was a struggle. It was painful. And I remember Jay Adams had a booklet and he spoke directly. This Christian counselor spoke directly to, hey, if God said you put your faith in him and you will be saved, then Mark, you need to trust in God and not trust in you and your feelings. And I remember at the end, he had this little thing. He wanted me to sign my signature to the fact that I believe that God truly, that I could truly trust him. That I could truly believe that he saved me. And I remember signing my name. And for 30 seconds, I was like, nah, Lord, did you save me? And then it started to go away. It started to go away. The more I prayed to God, the more he showed me that he loved me and he cared for me. Listen to what is said in Philippians 1.6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ, at the day of Jesus Christ. It's, Paul is actually saying, since I am confident, Paul had no doubt. Listen to some of these versions. This is a living version. 
And I am sure that God who began a good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. Jesus is coming again. But that doesn't mean that when I walk over to Quick Check and I'm not looking, I get hit by a car, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. Nobody here knows when we will be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. And if you're a Christian and you sit here this morning, God wants you to be confident in your salvation. He wants you to know what he's done in your life. But he wants you to know you're going to struggle. Those struggles are there for a purpose and a reason, and they're unique to you. And you handle them uniquely. But he wants you to get on your knees and say, Lord, I cannot handle this struggle. I can't do it on my own. But I know what you started. You will finish. And I know there's a reason for this. I know, God, that there's a reason that you're putting me through this. J.B. Phillips says, I feel sure that the one who began his good work in you will go on developing you. Every single Christian is under construction. I heard that one time. And I think the pastor came out and he had a big sign on his chest, under construction. Amen! There is nobody perfect here. You all see me cut you off out there on the road. I know you have. There's Harrigan, the elder of the church. I'm going to tell somebody. I wish you would. I have to do much better at that. I am not a great Christian when I'm behind the wheel. And I share that with you all the time, and I'm waiting for the Lord to take that away from me because I, the other thing is when I try to be good, I'm going like 45 miles an hour and people get mad at me. So I'm not sure which one to do, but the message, listen to this. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind. Listen to this. He's saying there's never been the slightest, the slightest, the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started his great work in you would keep it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Jesus Christ appears. Jim Packer says this, and I love this. We are not strong enough. You're not. I'm sorry. Not one of you is strong enough to fall away. We are not strong enough to fall away when God is resolved to hold you. He's resolved to hold you. And I don't know, maybe you're all staring at me saying, what's he talking about? We're so confident. We know. We know we're saved. Maybe. But I tell you, I struggle. Some days I struggle. Some days I cry. We are not strong enough to fall away when God is resolved to hold you. He's holding you. You can't see him. Linda and I have taught the kids for years, and we say, just like God... Sorry, got it backwards. Just like air, God is there. And then we have the kids blowing their hands. You can't see Jesus, and you can't see God. You can't see the air. It doesn't mean he's not there. He is with you every second of every moment of every day. Think of Lydia. Think of when Paul, God moved heaven and earth to get Paul and Silas and Timothy to that little riverbank. For Lydia, for Lydia, a worshiper of, a, of God, but didn't really know the gospel. And here's Paul being used by God and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to Lydia, and God opens her heart. The first church in Europe, the first church, the first home church, 
And I, I have to imagine that she was probably in pretty, pretty much danger. I mean, it's a Roman colony. Here she is at the riverbank. Here's Paul. She doesn't know him. He's preaching the gospel. She opens her heart, and she's just saying to these random people that just happen to show up, come to my home. We lock our doors. We don't let anybody in. I don't know about you. Come to my home. She's there when he gets out of prison. When they get out of prison, she's there. Lydia's heart was changed, just like your heart was changed when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can you turn to Ephesians 1? I love movies. Linda and I were watching a movie the other night, but it was a Christian movie. And I have to be, be honest with you, they have the same kind of tone, the same message, and I'm like, I don't want to watch it. Let's watch Star Wars. Let's watch something else. Let's watch a Marvel movie. Let's watch Spider-Man, you know? And I don't, I don't really want to watch this movie. Although I said I wanted to watch it, and Linda knew I wanted to watch it, so we... We plugged in the $5, and we rented the movie. And we're watching this movie, and I'm saying, I really don't want to watch another boring Christian movie. I don't. And we're sitting there, and they depicted a young woman who didn't know Christ. And they did a, an amazing, they must have known, I think the people who run this company were pastors, and they have seen people come to know the Lord. And they did an amazing job, such an amazing job that I'm sitting on the couch and Linda's next to me and I'm like, I think I got something in my eye. I mean, the tears were just flying out of my face. I don't know if you saw me crying, but it was like, the movie's called The Overcomer. It didn't get great reviews on the critic side, but on the Christian side, everybody loved it. And they went through and, and the pastor tells her when she comes to know the Lord, go to Ephesians 1. And... I want you to, actually it was the counselor at the school, I want you to sit down and pick out all the blessings from Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, just kind of scan your eyes over it. It says that you are blessed with all the spiritual blessings in Christ. You are chosen. Listen, you are chosen before the foundation of the world. You are adopted you are adopted by Jesus. You are redeemed by His blood. You are forgiven from as far as the east is from the west. Now listen, if you're not confident, listen to this. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are sealed. It's done. You are loved. I'm telling you, there are so many people in this world who feel like they are not loved. It's for a reason. There are people who are unloving in the world. You are loved. Romans 8 says there's nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. You are saved and you are a child of God. I would watch that movie if I were you. I would bring some tissues and sit down and watch it. And just see the transformation that they depict on the screen of this young woman. And then what happens, and I will be honest with you, the Christian life is not perfect. We are not perfect. It's never going to be until Jesus comes back. And they don't depict her as being some kind of saintly person and everything's perfect. No. Christians lose their homes. Christian spouses die. People get cancer. We struggle. M a mental illness. Everything you can think of. 
We go through everything the world goes through. The difference is, is that we have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us to bring us to the end. The next thing is love. Look at Philippians 1.9. I talked about superpowers before and about prayer being a superpower. We think about love being a superpower, but not our love. God's love. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more and more and more with the knowledge and all discernment. The most loving thing you could do is pray for someone. You know, over the years, Linda and I have, I don't know why, because I'm like the easiest person to live with in the world. I mean, who would get annoyed at me? It's supposed to be funny. (laughs) So we found out that when we're praying together, it's very hard to be angry at each other. Very hard. Because you're essentially humbling yourself. You're holding hands or on your shoulder or you're standing close and you're bowing before God. The most loving thing you could do is pray for somebody else. Because I can't change somebody's heart. I can't help them in their life really. I could guide them and direct them Who knows if they're going to listen to me? But the most loving thing you could do is cry out to God. To cry out to God and say, God, I need your help. Change me, but I want to bring these people before you as well. Help them. Help them. Most loving thing you could do is pray for somebody. Think of the jailer. I think of this all the time. Paul talked about it last week. We don't understand how painful, how excruciating what they went through. We just don't. There's no way to to understand it unless you go through it yourself. They, They throw them in jail. And remember, the jailer is in charge of this. So you have Paul and Silas who are in excruciating pain. And I still do not understand this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. I don't get it. I don't get why the earthquake comes. I don't understand why Paul doesn't bash the jailer in the face. Why he doesn't tackle him. Why all the people don't run out of the prison. And I don't understand it, but I know why. Because God, God's love, God's love did that. Nobody left. See, the jailer was going to commit suicide. He was going to take his own life. And Paul says to him, hey, we're all here. If somebody steps on my toe, I want to hurt them. Somebody looks at me the wrong way, I'm like, Linda, they don't like me. They don't like me. She says, oh, be quiet. Everyone likes you. Listen, do you understand what's happening here? Read through this, these verses. The jailer comes in. They don't leave. They were praying. They were singing. The jailer was going to commit suicide. He is no, he's, he's standing there saying, I want to know you saved me physically. You saved my life physically. I'm no longer going to kill myself, but that doesn't even matter. How can my soul be saved? How can I know the God that you know? How can I pray and sing songs and do what you're doing? The jailer's standing there saying, I want to know your God. I want to know who he is. 
That is the, uh, one of the most amazing love examples in all of the Bible. And you test it out the next time somebody hurts you or does something. Test it out. Think of your feelings and what you want to do. Do you always go to pray and start singing? They'll think you're crazy. But God wants us to do that. Emma, could you come up here? And I'm just going to apologize because I don't know how this is going to turn out. We got a garbage can. We have beautiful Emma. Grab a picture. All right, so this is not a magic trick because I'm no good at that. This is just an example. God wants your love and he wants my love to overflow. You know, a riverbank. God keeps the water in the riverbank. But when it comes to love, when it comes to spiritual love, God wants it to overflow. Overflow the banks. Keep going. The Philippians were such lovers. It says in there, if you read it, Paul's saying, you, you're, you're a loving church. You're a great church. I want you to keep going. I want you to keep loving. I want you to love more than you love. I want you to do it in God's power. So, pour a little in. So they said, hey, you're a loving church. Even a little more loving than that. A little more loving. Get another picture. So here's the Philippians. They're a loving church. They love people. Lydia and the servant girl and the jailer. But then Paul says, keep going. Keep going. Overflow the banks. Go ahead. Get my suit all red. Go ahead. Overflow. Good thing the rug is red. <laughs> Overflow. Go ahead, Emma. Pour it in. God wants this fine. Don't worry about it. God's love to overflow in your life. Simple little example. Just think of that later. And all you clean freaks saying, I think he ruined the rug. God wants your love to overflow. And he wants you to do it in his power, but he doesn't want you to have stupid love. He doesn't want you to be stupid in your love. He, wants, he doesn't want you to be like the Pharisees. Hey, look at me. I love God. Look how perfect I am. And you better be like me. So start doing the things I'm doing so you, God will love you more. He doesn't want stupid love. He wants you to have discernment and knowledge like Steve's talked about last week. All the things that are excellent and pure. He wants you to get into his word. And I know as Christians we always hear that. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. Yes, we say it because it is true. You need to read your Bible and you need to pray and you need to ask God to help you to be more loving and more loving and more loving. Keith Schwamm did a devotion and his devotion was so amazing because he read scripture. It's Psalm 136 and I would read it if I were you. He just kept reading. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. He kept saying it over and over and over again. And I just sat there like, yes, God's love endures forever and ever. And that's where we get our power from. Asking God to help us to love. Last point, fruitful service to God. I'm just going to read from the message. 
This is about the servant girl. Well, this is actually Philippians 1.11, and then I'll get in, read, uh, talk about the servant girl. This says, live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. Getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. I'm just stopping there for a little bit. Making Jesus Christ attractive to all. Getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. You know, the servant girl, and I'm going over some of the stories here, but the church was made up of really interesting people. People like our church that I would probably never know Nick, and I'd probably never know Ralph, and you guys would never know me. We probably never would even cross paths. But God has brought each one of us together. And you think about the jailer. You think about Lydia. You think about the servant girl. Think about us. Think about every person sitting in the pews here. How different you are. But how the Holy Spirit fills your heart, just like he filled the servant girl. So the servant girl is walking along, and she sounds great. She sounds like she's saying the right thing. That God is the God of salvation. And yet she is working for two people that are abusing her in the sense that they're using her. And she's walking and she's a fortune teller and she's telling this fortune. And I know I'm not going really deep theology here. I'm just skimming over it. But what's happening here is Paul is a little patient for a while. And then Paul turns around, can't take it anymore. And he saves this young woman from an evil, demonic spirit. And I don't know, it doesn't go into too much detail after that. You have to believe that she believed he saved her. All of us are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need that. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the fruit of righteousness is love and joy and peace. Paul wanted them to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, filled with love, filled with joy, filled with peace. Think of those, those men who were using that girl and what she was saying. Just look out in your world. Open up, I hope we all open our eyes and see what's out there. I mean, even at work, I look at the desk and there's horoscopes all over the desk. People just live their lives by looking at, can somebody else tell me my fortune? Can someone else tell me, am I going to be rich tomorrow? Am I going to meet that guy? Am I going to meet that girl? Am I going to be happy? What's going to happen with me? And they, the world looks to these things. They look to horoscopes. Um, and it goes even deeper than that. You might say, oh, that's no big deal. It's in the paper. I read it. Who cares? But it goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than that. Even at work, they, um, I'd sort of somebody printing out like flyers for a psychic, that you can go to a psychic and listen to the psychic. And that's no different than what's happening here. Paul lived his life the opposite of what I'm going to read you. And we need to. Linda, singing this song around the house, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I don't know why you were singing it, but she kept singing it over and over and over again. Asleep. In the Light by Keith Green. Uh, Keith Green really holds a, I, I, I love Keith Green. He's no longer with us. He's in heaven 
with Jesus. And I remember, I think I told you this before, I remember being in my, my room in the basement, like a weird thing. You know, you think I'd be hiding like marijuana down there and drinking beer and hiding from my parents, but no, I was a little odd. I was hiding in the basement listening to Keith Green. So nobody would hear me listening to Christian songs because in my home, it wasn't okay to listen to people singing about Jesus. So there I was listening, and then Linda's been singing this song. Do you see? Do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb? Don't you care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job's done. Oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. You know it's all I've ever hear. No, no one aches, no one hurts, no one even sheds one tear. But he cries, he weeps, he bleeds, he cares for your needs, and you just lay back and keep soaking it in. Oh, can't you see it's such sin? Now, don't take this personal but every single one of us, including me and the church at large, need to do a better job of making Jesus Christ the focus and the point of who we are. In closing, I'm just going to pray. I had these ideas of maybe singing, but somebody told me that I'm tone deaf, so I'm not going to go that way. I'm just going to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. We remember all the things that you've done at New Village for us. We remember all the years that you have had us here being partners in the gospel for you. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done, for the good and for what we think is the bad, but for all things we know turn out for good because we love you and you've given us that love. You've given us our faith, and we thank you for that, Lord. Help us, Lord, to, to be in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel here at New Village. Help us, Lord. We beg you to help us the love that you've given us that is so evident here. The love that is here at New Village is so strong, but make it overflow continually, be more and more and more. Help us, Lord, to love like you love. That we would even give our lives, that we would give our lives for you if need be. Help us, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. Help us to... Let the world see who you are and what you are. Help us to have confidence in you. Help us to love more and to be filled, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.